receiver. How about a tight end that can help you with both? But then it goes back into, yeah, positional value. But, like, I was thinking about this yesterday. Bob, like, how many elite offenses have there been? Or even, like, really good offenses have there been? Super Bowl caliber offenses have there been without great tight end play? That's a great question. I mean, like, obviously when you look at, like, Brady and Mahomes and them hoarding all the rings of the last decade, like, I don't think they'd do it without Gronk and Kelsey. It's true. It's true. Um, In terms of even just, like, good teams this year, like, I mean, the Bills, their tight end wasn't great. You know, they're, they're mixed between – who they even have? It was Dawson Knox and then they have the other – Dalton Kincaid. Kincaid, Kincaid yeah, the yeah. other Dalton. Like, those guys aren't great, but they're solid. But, I mean, like, the other elite teams, you look at George Kittle, he's a monster. Eagles had Goddard. Yeah, he was solid for them. Like, if you look at Laporta, you could be like, hey, yeah, like, the the key is, like, if you – or people will point to, like, hey, you talked about Travis Kelsey, you talked about George Kittle, Mark Andrews, and Laporta. Like, those guys weren't first-round picks. Gronk wasn't a first-round pick. Aaron Hernandez wasn't a first-round pick. And you can maybe get those guys later. But to which I push back, if you have a prospect that looks like those guys, would you take them? Like, would you have taken Gronk in the first round if you knew he was going to be Gronk? Even if you knew he was going to be like 20 or like 90% of his, his production, would you take him? Would he be worth a top seven pick? I think the answer to that is yes. Now, I will acknowledge, I tweeted out yesterday, you know, someone talked me out of it, and there was a picture of, of Brock Bowers standing next to Gronk. And he's small. <laughs> he, he's small. He's not, he's not Gronk size. He also just looks a little frumpy. <laughs> looks a little dumpy. And at that point, I was like, okay, maybe I don't want this guy. But I was thinking, like, it does seem like a tight end is a very important position, especially when it comes to young quarterbacks and quarterbacks who maybe aren't elites. Like, the tight end safety valve has always kind of been a thing. So I did kind of talk myself into it a little bit, Sam. It's interesting. CBS has got their mock draft has Bowers going 15th to the Colts, which I, that's that's quite a gap. You know what I mean? It's, I've seen him as high at number five to the Chargers, yeah. saying that, like, you I know, like him with th- the Chargers. That Harbaugh like, wouldn't pass up on him, and, like, that yeah. would be, you know, Justin Herbert's. You know, a big weapon for him. And also, again, would kind of help their offensive line a little bit and their run game and all of those things. I, I definitely like him go, uh, on the Chargers because that's, that's been a, a, a gap for them. I know that, it's like, this mock draft has, you know, again, Bowers at 15 and Chargers at five picking Malik Neighbors. I th- feel like they got some receivers. Yeah, that doesn't seem right to me. Yeah. I've seen Bowers a lot to the Chargers. That seems like a popular destination. Phil Yates has him all the way down at number 16 to huh. Seattle right now. Has all at number five to the Chargers. Has the Titans at seven taken uh, Odunzu. How do you say his name? Odunze. Odunze, yeah. sorry. My God. I'd be good with him. Radio professional can't speak. <laughs> He's a tough name. It's a tough name. It is a tough one. Yes. But, um, yeah, has, has the Titans taken him at seven? I don't know. Jaden Daniels at number two, also a noteworthy thing here at ESPN. Oh, okay. they, they have the Commanders and Cliff Kingsbury liking him more than Drake May. Man, I, I'm skeptical on Jaden Daniels. I don't know why, but I, I think when he comes out and runs like a 4-5 in the combine and shows like that type of elite speed, I, I think you'll have him move ahead of Drake May. I, I don't – everyone keeps talking about how great the quarterback class is, and it might end up being a great quarterback class, but like – you have a couple questions about Caleb Williams. I think he'll be a stud, but outside of him, like I don't really have confidence in the other quarterbacks. Like I don't have any confidence in Drake May. I don't know if Jaden Daniels is going to be a good NFL quarterback. Michael Penix has his question marks. You know, like JJ McCarthy apparently getting top ten love. Like 
okay, maybe. Maybe he's a maybe he can be an NFL quarterback, but I don't know. I don't have a lot of confidence in it. I think it's more how bad the twenty twenty five quarterback class is. There's just not too many guys outside of like, you know, maybe Quinn Ewers and a and a few other guys kind of hitting really? okay. that. But like I think maybe the consensus is more just like if you need a quarterback this year is the year to do it in terms of just having some depth, not, you know, guys outside of that top two position. When you're looking at offseason storylines, the biggest ones are what? For me, at least like right here at the top of my mind, you know, outside of Titans related where, you know, I'm giving personal interest to, is the biggest offseason storyline just Justin Fields? And what the Bears do at number one, like is that the most intriguing thing so far? Because like, I, I think you could say like, oh, Kelsey's retirement maybe, like if Kelsey hangs it up, but seemed after the game he's, you know, he was talking about coming back and trying to three-peat, so I think he'll try to do that, so I don't think he'll retire. I don't think there's any big quarterbacks that we're looking at that might hang it up. Like there's no legends like Brady kind of holding people hostage. No Aaron Rodgers trade on the horizon. Like we know where he's going to end up. You could say Russell Wilson, like, in his future, but I don't think he moves the needle anymore. So, like, is it just Justin Fields? Bob, you got a bigger storyline than that? No, I think that may be it. Now, I hadn't really given it thought, but now that I'm sitting there processing it, I think that um, because it, it's a really polarizing argument. Again, you know where I stand on it. I actually think the Bears should keep him and do something with the pick. Um, but there's a lot of people who feel that Caleb Williams is a generational talent and i just i don't know man we've seen a lot of a lot of teams get it's worked out for some teams we've seen a lot of teams get burned with those kind of picks too so it, it just feels like that would be so on brand for the bears to get burned they've already done it once with uh trubisky recently so justin fields is not at the level of the guys i'm going to talk about i don't think you know i definitely not one i don't think anybody would think the other one either but like if you could give truth serum to Jerry and to Jim Ursay, do you think either one of them would be like, hey, we, we regret what we did with Dak. We regret what we did with Andrew Luck. We should have kept Peyton. We should have given Romo one more run and, and, and traded Dak to acquire some assets to put around him instead. Because, like, you know, Peyton, of course, went to two Super Bowls, won one with the Broncos. You think about the haul that the Colts could have gotten trading the number one pick for Andrew Luck. They could have, you know, solidified that roster, solidified that offensive line. Of course, they just straight up released Peyton Manning, draft Andrew Luck, and put him behind a terrible offensive line and, and shorten his career. The Cowboys haven't broken through and even made a conference championship with Dak. I still think they would have made it in 2016 had they played Romo instead of Dak in the playoffs, but... Do you think either one of those owners regret that? Because I look at that kind of with Justin Fields. Again, Justin Fields isn't Romo. He's definitely not Peyton. But, like, is, is trading the number one pick and putting valuable pieces around him better than rolling the dice on a rookie quarterback when you, you maybe could put a roster together to win now? now? I don't know if the Bears could get a Super Bowl caliber roster, but, you know, Montrez Sweat made that defense really good. And if you add a couple more blue chippers there, I don't think they're far off on the defensive side of the ball. And it's not like the NFC is like a juggernaut right now. No, it's wide open. Yeah, I mean. What was the stat? Ten straight years, there's been ten different quarterbacks? If you can win that division, you know, I mean, you've got a chance. And The division's going to be tough, though, between the the Lions and the Packers. Like, that's going to be tough. 
How many did the Bears win last year? Seven or eight? Do you remember? I think seven. Yeah. Yeah. They, they rallied to get to, I thought I was going to say six or seven. They yeah. rallied to get to that range. Yeah, they played They played pretty well at the end. They did. I mean, like John said, once they got sweat, that defense kind of turned it around. Yeah. Sweat came and solidified that defense. Fields got back from injury. And, yeah, they were a pesky, frisky team that, you know, was pretty good value in terms of gambling down the stretch. But, yeah, they, they ended the season last year with seven wins, seven and ten. Seven and ten. And, you know, do you think those teams regret it? Do you think Jerry or Ursa would be like, you know what, we maybe should have just ridden with Peyton and given Romo and tried to just build the roster through the draft with, with some cheap talent? Speaking for the Colts, they may have regrets, only because you don't know what you know now, and that was you didn't know Luck was going to end his career so soon. Sure. You know, But the lack of talent on the offensive line played into that. Like, I mean, like you, you, yeah. you maybe could have seen, like, hey, we don't have an offensive line here for this guy. And, you know, he got his head beaten in the first couple of years. He sure did. While I was watching him play, I remember that. I was like, man, no regrets. This was awesome. Sure. You know? and, but, sure. yeah, you're right. Then he was he was taking a beating, and that's what led to the, again, the early uh, exit. But, uh, yeah, that's a, that's, a good, that's a good comparison to – to think about I you know I, I I would agree with that in that kind of when you run it through that kind of filter um, I just keep getting enamored with that whole notion of trading down to four getting something besides the fourth pick picking Marvin Harrison to pair with DJ Moore yeah I mean and they got the number eight pick as well so like yeah if you if you uh, you know I don't know if Arizona would want to trade up from four. That, that's where they're at, right? I don't I don't think Arizona would want to trade up because I don't think they would want to draft Caleb Williams. I think they're going to let Kyler run it back one more year. But yeah, they could easily trade to like number, even if it's number two or three. Yeah, they said the cost of moving down to number two. I don't know if you guys saw this last week because we had mentioned that hypothetical, or maybe it was two weeks ago. They've said that like they would be uh, two first round picks for Chicago to move to two. Just to move to number two. So, I mean, I, I, whenever you say two first-round picks, maybe that equals, like, hey, we're counting the number two pick as one of those first-round picks, and we wanted a first-round pick next year as well just to move down one spot, maybe. I don't know, but, like, the haul they can get for not taking Caleb Williams and trading it would be something that could set your franchise up and fix your – you know, I don't know exactly what Chicago's problems are. You know, some people would say their problem has been quarterback. Quarterback and O-line, yeah. Is a roll on battle cast? I was gonna say. I, mean, I assume it wasn't great, but I know they haven't had a lot of skill position players, and I know their defense, you know, had they kind of lost some talent there for a bit before kind of replenishing it. But you know, I, I don't know. I just look and if you told me Caleb Williams is going to be a stud, maybe that changes things. What's your level of confidence right now, Bob, that Caleb Williams is a stud? Maybe not as good. Well, the way he's talked about, can he be as good as C.J. Stroud? Can he be as good a prospect, prospect as C.J. Stroud? Can he be that player? He could be. I don't think he will be. Your Not. level of confidence in that is what? That he will be? Are we doing your 1 to 100? Sure. 75. Okay, well, that's a 3 and 4 chance. So, I mean, maybe that's worth the gamble then. Sam, do you feel 75? What, what, what number would you put that Caleb Williams is as good in year one as C.J. Stroud? Or at least, like, projects to be that? As good as C.J. Stroud? Well, I mean, that's... I'd, I'd go lower than that. Uh, I'd say, like, a 50. Yeah. Well, I just mean, yeah, like, yeah, the number yeah. one pick, I mean, he's supposed to be generational. I mean, C.J. Stroud was a guy that had been talking to falling out of the top five last year. So, I mean, I know C.J. Stroud had a great rookie year, but I'm just saying, to be that type of player, maybe not have as good of a rookie year, but to where you're after year one thinking of him the same way you think of Stroud. Like, 
I'm not saying take the Bears to the playoffs, yeah. but I'm saying like to where you're like CJ Stroud, I think everyone would agree, is a top ten quarterback or right around the cusp. And if he's not if he wasn't his first year, will be the second year. In my opinion, Caleb Williams is either like a ninety five or like a thirty five. Like right. I, I think he's a yeah. either generational or just is a complete bust. So what do you lean towards? In terms of him being generational, what's your level of confidence in that? That was my my if, most more generational was sure, seventy five. I mean, if you're gonna say it's generational, then he has to be as good as CJ Stroud. Or at least like comparable. You can't you can't say you think he's gonna be generational at seventy five percent and then be like, Well, I don't know if he can get to CJ Stroud. Well, I'm thinking CJ Stroud in year one. I mean sure. that that's that's like that was that was mind-blowing. Yeah, Nobody saw that. I, I'm projecting, like, for the years. Like, if you come out – because, I mean, I think if you're the Bears, winning, you know, more games, making the playoffs would be cool. But, like, if you, after a year one, you're like, we have our guy. And that's how the Texans feel, right? We have mm-hmm. our guy. Now, he won a playoff game, so that's great. But, like, just feel good about your guy right. and know that he's going to be a top-ten quarterback. Because I, I think that's what the expectation for Caleb Williams is, right? That, like, if you're drafting him at number one, you're going to have a top-ten quarterback in the next couple years? I feel like that's the kind of the the understanding for every first quarterback taken, especially sure. if they're taking number one. But they say Caleb Williams is as good of a prospect as Andrew Luck, as good as Peyton Manning, as good as John Elway. Those guys were expected to be top ten quarterbacks pretty much from year two on. So Sam, what's your level of confidence that that he can be that, or that he that he will be that? Not that he can be, that he will be that. Probably, yeah, sixty five to seventy in that range. I think it gets lower if he lands with Chicago, too, honestly. Well, that that might be the sad part Yeah, Chicago. It's like, you can be beautiful, but just with someone else. Right. I'm going to set you free. I want you to be happy, just not with me. It sucks. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, you just it'd look at it historically. Like, it'd, the it'd be Bears can't I mean, develop a quarterback. The Titans, if the Titans had traded up for C.J. Stroud, like they had been rumored to on draft night or, like, leading up to it, he wouldn't have been the same as he was with the Texans. No. Not with the coaching staff you had last year and the offensive of coordinators. Like, he wouldn't have been that. Mm-mm. So it's, there's almost a part of me that's like, I'm glad the league is getting C.J. Stroud. I'm glad he's able to sur- survive and thrive. Now, it's not great that it's with the division rival, of course, but we would have hurt him. We would have crumpled him up and broken his neck like a little puppy dog were choking so hard. We got our own beautiful baby boy. Yeah, but I mean, like, I think, you know, he wouldn't have flourished under that coaching staff either. Like, I think that coaching staff held him back. Like, I think, now I'm not saying you could have dropped dropped Will Levis into Houston and had him be just as good as C.J. Stroud. I'm not saying that. But he would have been better in Houston than he was in Tennessee last year. I think. And like conversely, like if you put C.J. Stroud with the Titans, it wouldn't have been as good. So I do think fit, fit, fit. So like Chicago, if, if they're self-aware, like, hey, you know what? We're not really that develop a generational quarterback type of franchise. We're like a Blue collar, Justin Fields, run around, get us 80 yards on the ground, and we'll win with defense. We're that type of franchise. So let's get a couple extra first-round picks and build this defense and offensive line. Like, if they were self-aware, they might do that. That's my reasoning for trying to keep Fields, I think, just because they have such a bad track record of developing the quarterback. Like, at least you've got a sign of a guy who's kind of getting there, at least right now. And you can get, like, like you're talking about how much of a haul you can get for that pick. Like, it just feels like you go with the guy who's shown you a little bit of success. And so far. and and you bring up that's an interesting point too. The Bears have never ever ever ever, ever been considered like a like a high octane offensive. It's always about defense and grinding, and that's just who they are. It's almost like they like that too. I mean, yeah. it's the Chicago mentality. But like, yeah, their best quarterback, their most talented quarterback ever is maybe Jay Cutler. Yeah. Yes. Like if you go down the list, so like maybe they maybe they're desperate to have that guy. 
and Caleb Williams. They're like, hey, this is finally it. This is going to elevate our franchise. We're finally going to have a quarterback. Or maybe they're like, you know what? We don't trust ourselves to actually not mess this up. <laughs> They've never had a 4,000-yard passer in the franchise's history. That's surprising. It's crazy. Even with Jay Cutler. I mean, I know he was yeah. great, but like him and Brandon Marshall, I thought he'd had at least a 4,000-yard season. Now, on the flip side, what's your level of confidence that Justin Fields can be a top-10 quarterback? That's a tough one. I'd say uh, out of 100, I'd say 50 tops. Yeah, just a coin flip. Sam? With the Bears. <laughs> Again, with yeah. the Bears. 40. Well, my, my confidence goes up if he gets traded, to be honest well, with you. Well, the bad news for Justin Fields is that if he gets traded, I think he's linked most to Pittsburgh, which is right. like yeah. going just to the AFC version of the Bears. That wins Sean Payton went on uh, McAfee and said he was pretty interested in him over at Denver. He said that? Is he allowed to do that? He didn't say, like, interested, but he said he likes him as a player. Yeah. And they need a quarterback, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, Russell Wilson screams more like Pittsburgh. Like, he'll he'll end up in Pittsburgh, and Mike Tomlin's like, hey, just come out here and throw for 140 yards, and we'll try to piece this together. <laughs> but also, like, it's important to note, it's not Caleb Williams versus Justin Fields. It's Caleb Williams versus Justin Fields and, like, three extra picks that yeah. might be blue chippers. That's and that's true. when the math starts changing. So I don't know. But I do find that to be the biggest storyline. I don't even know what number two is in the NFL this offseason. Because, like, Belichick's not coaching anywhere. There's no movement that, like, no quarterbacks outside of a Fields. I mean, is there anybody out there that would move, that would move the needle? Like, Ryan Tannehill to Pittsburgh has been rumored. That doesn't do anything. The, like, the second story may end up being what's going on. We talked about earlier with Justin Jefferson. Okay. I mean, that's a that yeah. that just showed up, and that's that's a big deal. I mean, that's arguably the best receiver okay. in the game. There will be a receiver that gets linked. Like, there will be a receiver. I feel like that's a pretty good bet. One of the quote-unquote top 12 guys will be moved by the first night of the draft or by the second night of the draft. Like, Justin Jefferson would be obviously the biggest name. I don't think you can roll out A.J. Brown just because he's emotional and, like, who, who knows? Yeah. Diggs. Diggs, Diggs I was gonna moved. say I was gonna say in the very least I would I would bet a lot of money that Diggs is gone. Mm-hmm. Now whether or not someone trades for him or waits for him to get released, I don't know. But like somebody should trade for him. But yeah, like one of those three guys I would imagine gets moved. And there might be some other names like IU? T. Higgins, Did you I, see IU? IU? Yeah, yeah, good point by you, IU, because you know, he was the number three receiver on Pro Football Focus this year. Like I don't think he's number three, but I think Ayuk is 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 a top twelve receiver if I'm making that the cutoff. Like he is every bit of a top twelve receiver and like I think the narrative has changed in San Francisco about like him versus Debo. Like I think if you're San Francisco, you'd maybe be if you're a fan, a fan of the 49ers, you'd probably be more like eager to trade Debo than trade Ayuk. I think Ayuk has kind of surpassed him in terms of who's better. But yeah, like he his family was mad, and that's a good move. Like when, when you can, you maybe don't want to say it yourself, so you just get like your brother yeah. to tweet out that you're mad that like, hey, only three catches in the Super Bowl to your best player. What the hell? So, yeah, put him on the list because he wants a new deal. And if you're the 49ers, I don't know if you can afford to give him a new contract because you got Bosa, you got McCaffrey, you got Debo, you got all these other guys you're going to have to pay. Just the reliability perspective alone makes Ayuk more attractive to me if I'm the 49ers. I mean, Debo, I love watching him play, but, I mean, how often do we see him get hurt during the yeah. season? It's it, it seems almost like every other week. I was going to say, like, every 49ers game I've watched, I feel like he's at least limped off the field once. Yeah. Even in the Super Bowl. I mean, he went out grabbing his hand. You're like, oh, well, that's it. But he, he came back. But it's always something. So, yeah, I, I feel confident that one of those guys will get moved. So maybe that is the second biggest story. Jefferson, the headliner, but just one of those guys. 
We'll play some overrated and underrated after the break. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Ever been the... Overrated Underrated is brought to you by SM Athletics. Spring sports right around the corner. Sun's poking out earlier and earlier, boys. Spring is almost here. If you have uniform, equipment, screen print, or embroidery needs for the upcoming seasons, give SM Athletics a call. Excellent customer service. Great products. A local family-owned company. Fair prices. Don't chance it with the unreliable mega stores or online orders. Trust someone you can get a hold of. Go see face to face. Give SM Athletics a call at 865 966 3434. 865 966 3434. And online at smathletics.com. Let's play some overrated and underrated. Overrated. Very overrated. It's overrated. Overrated, my friend. Overrated. I want to tell you why. I think that's a solid rated right there. It's perfect rated. He underrated, man. He has some swag. He has some real swag. Lobsters are underrated. They don't die. All righty, John. Overrated. Bob, Bob's playing, too. Bob and John. Bob and John. Bob and John. My bad, Bob. You're fine. Overrated, underrated. The suspense is killing me. Orlando Magic, Shaquille O'Neal, got his jersey retired with Orlando. Overrated, underrated, Mr. Shaquille O'Neal in Orlando. I would say overrated only because I'm surprised it hadn't happened sooner. That's It's pretty cut and dry um, to me. He was... Uh, they got to the NBA Finals with him. He was really kind of the signature player for that franchise. I mean, some would argue maybe Penny uh, came in at the same time, but I'd still say that I was kind of amazed it hadn't happened already. Obviously, in the early 90s, I was alive, but not really keeping up on the actual drama and the you know the inner workings of NBA basketball teams. But, yeah, the documentary I watched about that Magic team made it seem like Penny – they were trying to kind of push him to be the face of the franchise. I, I do remember the Little Penny shoe commercials. Yes. Like I do remember how successful that was. And like even you know as a five or six year old, I knew Penny Hardaway was cooler than Shaq. Now I don't think you know history has shown that to be true. I think Shaq and his charisma and and you know his movie roles and his time on Inside the NBA and all that. Like I think it's proven to be the opposite. But it did seem like they tried to kind of make that Penny's team over Shaq's and. What was it like watching him burst on the scene, though, like that size and athleticism? I mean, I remember him and, you know, the Lakers, but by that point, the peak athleticism was kind of gone. Yeah, he was he was crazy. I mean, you, you just felt like an unstoppable force. I mean, I still think back to when he was at LSU that, uh, you know, Dale Brown, that, that he didn't win with him and Stanley Roberts and Chris Jackson, who is now Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. He had so much talent. And Shaq was just the closest thing to an unstoppable force as I'd seen in a long time. He was amazing. Um, 
Yeah, and then uh, in in different ways, when he went on to other teams in the NBA, with namely the Lakers, he uh, he he just he just got better. He he, he I, I I was totally impressed with him. He, he probably did get better. I mean, obviously with the Lakers, went on one championships and everything. But I gotta say, Orlando Shaq is underrated because looking just at his stats page, his numbers across the board are higher with Orlando his yeah. first four years. Like his averages and you know his his stats, all of them except uh, assists, better with the Magic than the Lakers. Now you know he didn't win a championship or anything, but still, yeah, I was surprised that is actually better with them than he was the Lakers. He had a lot of good supporting players on that team with um, you know Horace Grant, Nick Anderson, um, but I and Penny of course, but I. He carried that team for, for offensively, so that doesn't surprise me. And like I said, the the reason I called it overrated was I just he to me he was the anchor player of that franchise in my opinion. So why wouldn't the, that have happened sooner? They said that's his third retired number. So, um, so does that mean the Heat? He, he has, I would imagine the Heat did since he got a championship. Yeah, I mean and they, it's not like they had a lot of people in their Raptors. I mean they had for a while just like Michael Jordan. They just had Michael Jordan's jersey retired. Yeah. He didn't even play there. Yeah. So that's that's my point. It's like, you know, he he had a he did win a championship with the Heat, but in comparative terms, he had a cup of coffee there, and so I'm kind of surprised Orlando waited this long. I wonder if there were just hard feelings over being kind of forcing his way out or Could leaving be. and just like, you know, kind of ditching good. him. That's, that's what an really. article I read said. Yeah. Really? That's yeah. feelings. That's yeah. a good point. Well, I'm glad Shaq's kind of bearing those hatchets and, and moving on. What, one last thing about the Magic. Do you think they would have won the NBA Finals in 95 had Nick Anderson not missed four straight free throws in game one? What was the sports conversation around that? Because that's one of the all-time choke jobs to have a guy miss four straight free throws to allow a team to force overtime. And then, of course, the they lost that game and ended up getting, I believe, swept in that series. They did. They yeah. did get swept. No, they they wouldn't have won the championship. Okay. I mean, they no. They, they, Houston had them outclassed uh, from the get. Uh, I followed all that closely because uh, Orlando beat Indiana to get to the finals for that. And um, I, I really felt like, it, honestly, whoever came from the East was not going to beat Houston. They were okay. too dialed in. Overrated, underrated. We got NFL overtime rules. I saw that people – has anyone been complaining about the overtime rules in the Super Bowl other than, like, the clock thing? Because I feel like did we not kind of universally come together and be like, okay, this is good, we're good with this one? Good. I do think there might have been – I can't believe that the masses didn't – there were a lot of people who didn't understand it, so that leads me to wonder how well the NFL explained it. That's all. I think the actual rules, though, are pretty solid now. Yeah. I'll say that they are – um, I guess properly rated because I haven't seen anybody complain. Should they go to it just for the entire well, regular season? That's too? what I was going to say. Is um, I don't know what you would call that either overrated or underrated, but uh, yes, I think it should just be the same rules in the regular season as they are in the postseason. That's crazy. It does seem kind of crazy that they're like, "Hey, we're going to play 17 games. You're going to run into each other. You're going to get all these injuries, but hey." We're drawing the line at those extra five minutes in overtime. We're going to make it 10 minutes versus 15. I'd be fine with the old rules, the current rules in the regular season that they have. 
I would just like for him to play 15 minutes because 10, you know, you lead to ties. And I hate seeing ties. I hate having the one at the end of people's records. I just Same. hate it. So, like, I have no problem with them doing just the, hey, we're not going to guarantee or like, hey, a touchdown's a walk-off in, in regular season. I have no problem with that. I would like 15 minutes or at least give teams three timeouts. They only give them two timeouts, I think, in that halftime. Ten minutes is not a long time to have two possessions in the NFL. Like, if someone goes on a five- or six-minute, like, field goal drive to start the game, it's hard to go down and match it or to win in regulation. Did my NFL overtime proposition that I texted y'all made make sense to you? Give it to the audience. Not everyone gets to see our private well, yeah, text thread. I, so. I said uh, I think the overtime rules should be, you know, how obviously both teams get a possession and the overtime rules now in postseason. I think that it should just be untimed clock or whatever. Whoever wins the toss gets the choice of whether they want to, you know, receive or kick. Um, and then – However much time it takes for you to go through that drive, whether you score or you punt, whatever, that's how much time the next team has to operate. So, like, if the Chiefs went down, got the ball first, and they score in the two-minute drill, then they've got to go back, and the next team's got to go back and score in the two-minute drill. So that way the offenses are now being a little bit more reckless and trying to score? Or you can, you know, keep your approach of methodically going down the field and take an eight-minute drive, but you also have to give your defense eight minutes out on the field. Okay. I don't hate it. Really suck to give up an opening kickoff return for a touchdown. Sure, <laughs> but then what happens? Okay, so what what happens if they match? They you keep playing, keep playing. Yeah, but does well, no, that... you, you can't really match though, right? Because I mean, like it's not going to be down to the second. I wouldn't imagine. I'm just saying, if say a team say team A scores in four minutes, team B now has four minutes to score. If they score in less than four minutes, then they win the game. So you put, oh, four okay. you put four minutes on the clock, and there they go. They have to race against the clock. So that's it. Okay, mm -hmm. I thought it was more if they tied it and they did it in three and a half minutes, then the next one gets yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Yeah, so that's that's a, interesting. It's a beat-the-clock scenario. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. That'd be one way where I'd be fine with them using the clock. I, you know how I felt about that at the beginning of the week, and even you know McAfee and others were saying, it's like, why are they running a clock? And there's been arguments about how they assign timeouts and everything else was why they do that but i, I still don't understand it I, I, that that's the part where i feel like it was kind of mishandled but but the rules as they stand i'm fine with them you know the ufl could try something like that yeah a beat the clock thing yeah, yeah. okay I, I maybe eliminate the kickoff in overtime to eliminate that do you like that one more or Less than the proposition that was floated around, you know, for years in terms of like the, you can basically bid on starting position. Mm, I like that one too. Yeah. So like, if the Chiefs were like, "Hey, we'll take the ball at the 15, mm -hmm. then the 49ers would have a chance to say, "We'll take the ball at the ten. We're willing to go 90 yards for a drive, and you get the ball, and if you score, you win a touchdown. If but if not, maybe even a field goal could win the game at that point." Would you be willing to start on the five-yard line and try to drive down for a field goal? Because if you get stopped and go three and out, you're pretty much going to be you know, giving the ball at midfield. I kind of like that one, too. I like that battle, too. I oh. think that those type of rules just bring in like different intricacies that are hard to be able to game plan for. More things to make fun of the coaches for, too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, that idiot let him take it at the 20-yard line. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, something like that. We oh, haven't what had... a moron. He only did three minutes of offense. He could have done eight. We haven't, had, we haven't had many people doing that or creating pressure like – we had the one Bears coach that decided to kick off in overtime back in the day because of the wind. And everyone's like, oh, my God, you always take the ball. He's like, no, the wind. And they end up, of course, giving up a score to lose. And then, yeah, you had Shanahan this time 
changing the rules, be like, oh, my God, his team didn't know the rules. They weren't prepared and knew that a touchdown didn't win the game. And Donovan McNabb didn't know you had ties back in the day. I, I, like, I like things we can make fun of people for. <laughs> Overrated, underrated. Touched on it a little bit yesterday, but uh, Tiger Woods' new Sunday red attire uh, and his new clothing brand, overrated, underrated. Overrated. Um, I was looking at this again last night. As a matter of fact, I'm sure I'm sure the the apparel line will look great, but the the whole play on the name really, I feel, is kind of that's ruined it for me too. It's kind of lame, yeah, to be honest. I agree. Yeah. Have they actually launched the clothes, clothing stuff? Can you yeah, buy they, them right now? Is it live? Oh, I don't. It's not live until uh, May, I believe. But okay. he's released some some pictures of some stuff. I haven't seen anybody praising this at all. It seems like everyone is kind of like, this is either weird or meh. So I gotta go that it's properly rated. Okay. Because right now my thing is just meh, and that seems to be the general consensus. Right? I, no one's been blown away by this. Which would be such a weird feeling if you're Tiger. Like, you think you're getting ready to blow everyone's mind, and everyone's just like, uh, show us with Nike, bro. We, we missed the old TW logo. It's also weird seeing him in, like, marketer promotion mode kind of right now. Like, yeah. for years with Nike, he was just, he's the product himself, and now he's kind of having to, like, sell his own product. Well, yeah. Yeah, but now he's not the product anymore. Right. <laughs> you, you can't just go out and say, hey, I'm going to buy this Tiger Woods stuff because, man, this guy's great at golf. It's now, like... Tiger Woods, he's selling a. Hey, I used to be great. You remember what? You remember that feeling you used to get right when I wore Sunday red, and you're like, "Oh, Tiger's in his Sunday red. The machine is locked in. You can do that yourself." Although I will say, you know, he seemed happy. Seemed happy and healthy doing the promotional stuff. He looks good. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still struggling with why they had to separate Sun and Day. There had to be some sort of trademark issue. Yeah. that he, they had to do that because that that to me is like if you just called it Sunday Red. I'd be like, okay, I get that, and I'm still not sure I'd be in love with it, but this just gives you more things to pot shot. It's like, uh, it's weird to me. Just weird. Yeah. It Should just have been basically, S-O-N, like you were saying, John. I mean, basically, it just, sun is the preferred weather, day is, you play golf every day is kind of what they're saying. Like, it's kind of like what some people are trying to break it down, and then red, of course, is his color of power that he got from his mother. That was, like, why I always wore it. So, like, play golf every day out in the sun and, and be powerful. Uh, it's stupid. It's a stupid name. The name's very overrated. And it's, <laughs> it's rated lowly, and it's still somehow overrated. The name's dumb. The name's dumb. Would you think it was dumb if it was just Sunday Red, all one word, though? So I think it might be kind of cool. That's what I was saying. Yeah. I, I was better if, if they had done that. Yeah. That, that. That put me over the edge, like, okay, I got, I got nothing for this. Yeah, okay. I agree. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies. That's my new thing when you play those drums. I feel like <laughs> overrated, underrated. We got Freebird by Leonard Skinnerd. Freebird by <laughs> Leonard Skinnerd. Uh where did that oh wow. You know, I gotta say it's probably underrated. It's it's highly regarded, but your generation, you guys rocking Freebird? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at a bar one time in Boston before the Patriots-Titans playoff game, and, of course, somebody, there was a band playing, someone's like, play some Freebird, and, you know, that's always a test of whether or not the band has a sense of humor or not. Ha-ha, good one. But then they just immediately went into, like, the guitar solo, which I thought was really cool, just the... 
great guitar solo. Yeah, just did it for like 30 seconds. Like, there you go. I was like, that's a good compromise. You yeah. don't have to hear the whole beginning. You have to do the whole seven minutes. Uh-huh. You don't have to sing. It's just go right into the rocking, and then there you go. All so, you want to hear. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> no, I like hearing the whole song. I like hearing the build up to it. But I was like, that was a cool way to handle it. Free Bird's a great song. I'm going to offend a lot of Southerners. Mm. I don't like Leonard Skinner. I I just I've never I didn't like Sweet Home Alabama. Didn't like that smell. Didn't like didn't like Freebird. I know Freebird's a classic song. Um, no Tuesday's gone. Tuesday's yeah, gone. Tuesday's, Tuesday's gone. gone's all right. I was gonna say I like that one. Actually, Simple Man. You like Simple Man? Nah, not so Man. much. Give me three steps. I know it. Like, they, they got they got some bobs, Bob. I mean, like yeah. okay, yeah. You I know, was, I think I think maybe what I've got on the brain is Freebird and Sweet Home Alabama, and okay. that's all I can ever remember. And sure, yeah. So maybe that's part of it. But I'm not gonna act like I'm a huge fan, but I did like those songs growing up. Yeah, again, there, and even coming from the north where I'm from, there were a ton of Leonard Skinner fans. So I mean, they're, they're obviously I know they were a transcendent uh, Southern rock band. Um, so uh, it's tough for me to. I would say so. I'd say it's overrated myself, but that's probably got as much to do with personal preference as uh, facts. So, Samuel Leonard Skinner guy. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not like you said. I'm not going out and actively listening to Leonard Skinner. But if they show up on a shuffle on one of my playlists, I'm not skipping it either. Okay. I listen. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Now I really don't like it. Um, I just think of, I just honestly, when I hear Freebird, I just think of Forrest Gump. Isn't that the song that they're playing when Jenny is like getting ready to jump off the roof? I think you're right. It'd be really dumb if I think of that and it's not even the song they play, but I feel like whenever she's getting ready to jump off the roof or fall off the roof, whatever she's trying to do, I mean, she's flirting with suicide. I feel like they're playing Leonard Skinner there. I used to announce the high school baseball team back in high school, and Freebird was the song I would play at the end of every game because it was like you know eight minutes long, and it just gave me the time to be able to oh okay finish everything up and <laughs> shut the booth down before I could play that instead of having <laughs> I, to play four songs at once. I just threw on Freebird every single time. I thought you were gonna say that you were using that as like your intro music. No. <laughs> I was like, man, that's that is not A getting slow the, build, Bob. That is, yeah. yeah, that's not an energy boost of, in any shape or form. But I, I guess with them. I, the, Three of their most famous songs that just equate to movies. That's what I think of when I think of Leonard Skinner. I think when Tuesday's gone, I think of Happy Gilmore. And then with uh what's the other one? The um I just lost it. Just well they named a movie. There was a movie, Sweet Home Alabama. Oh no, I was thinking Sweet Home Alabama, I was thinking Con Air. Like yeah. they're riding the plane yeah. and, and Steve Buscemi's character's like, You don't see the irony? A bunch of convicts flying around in a plane listening to a band that died in a plane crash or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think of. Three movies. When I hear their three songs. All right. Decent batch of overrated underrated. I give it a C plus. C plus by you, Sam. We'll wrap this show up on the other side. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. <laughs> That sports update, you know, Bob had mentioned it and it reminded me. We had floated out the idea of LeBron to the Warriors. I guess the Warriors were listening to last Tuesday's show and decided to kick the tires on LeBron. It was close, but I guess the Lakers said no. Yeah, there's apparently going to be an ESPN story dropping sometime today about that. 
uh, from Ramona Shelburne. But uh, does it interest you, like what could have happened in sports, or like what almost happened? Because obviously it didn't happen. Now maybe it plants a seed for the off season, but like. I don't know how much, like, hey, the Warriors called and tried to get LeBron matters because it's like, hey, you could tell me that about every team. You could say the Warriors called and said, hey, can we get Giannis? Bucks, and the Bucks are like, no, okay, we'll see you later. Hey, can we get Jokic? No, we're going to keep him. What's interesting is now, it says here more from the ESPN report, so it's getting out. They say Golden State was the second team to inquire about LeBron. They say the Sixers were first. And that GM Rob Polinka responded by asking Daryl Morey if Joel Embiid was available, and that ended the conversation. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm sure, he asked if we could have Steph too whenever they called. Uh, yeah, that from the Warriors, but yeah, yeah. Like LeBron flirted around with the leverage play, but didn't like go all in saying, "Yeah, I'm declining my option. I'm leaving in the offseason. Because if that was the case, then you probably make the move if you're the Lakers. But I guess. I guess he didn't really force their hand. Because, I mean, when you look at the offseason, the, the Sixers are going to have a lot of cap space, but they're, like, kind of the only contender that does. So, like, if you're a free agent that's maybe trying to have a leverage play or go to a contender, you can team up with Maxi and Embiid, but that's really kind of your only play. Interesting that they were trying to get him, though. I don't, I don't guess Tobias Harris in a first-round pick did the job. Yeah, the other thing I found – interesting this is off the nba now is um you know there's been a lot of chatter we've talked about it about kentucky fans saying they want you know calipari gone even though they won last night um by the way big ZD did not play at all last night oh no um didn't get a minute but bad um, night for you boys big ZD in indiana state <laughs> big fat goofy boy goes down <laughs> yeah the rex Bex boy uh, yeah no, they're, they're saying that – because there's always been chatter. You know, if you talk to Tennessee fans, the biggest fear is if Cal decides to exit, would Kentucky go after Nate Oates? The name that actually is now starting to surface – It doesn't. I guess it shouldn't be a surprise. I can't picture him taking the job, even if it became available, is Danny Hurley at okay. UConn. And, of course, that's what always happens with Kentucky is they always associate it with the hot, sexy name at the moment, you know. I mean, if you're Hurley, you want a natty there. I don't know. Falling Calipari would be tough, but, I mean, like, you still have the ghost of Jim Calhoun there, too. But, you know, Hurley on pace to do something special. And a handful of coaches have won at UConn. I mean, like, Kevin Ollie won a national title there. and We haven't heard of from Kevin Ollie since. So, like, you're in a pretty good spot. My question would be, like, what's UConn's NIL situation and what's UConn's, like, salary situation? Like, can they compete? Probably can't. I wouldn't I think. Wouldn't, I wouldn't think. But, like yeah. – Obviously, they take their basketball seriously there, and I don't know what kind of alumni pool they have and, and whatnot, but, like, basketball is the main show, so, like, it's not like they have to worry about NIL when it comes to football, really, because they're not really yeah competitive in that. Yeah, but what what we're seeing with Hurley, you mentioned Kevin Ollie, too. You know, he won a natty, but he kind of won it with Calhoun players, and then he kind of sure. faded after that. Uh, what Hurley's doing is pretty special. I mean, he's, he's clearly a top-tier coach, so – He'd, he'd be able to have the, you know, if if Kentucky came calling, it wouldn't surprise me, but it, it would be an interesting dilemma because, I don't know, you could argue, at least per, just straight performance-wise, in the last 20 years, UConn's more of a blue blood than Kentucky. I really believe that at this in point. In the last 20 years, UConn's more of a blue blood than Kentucky? 
I mean, they've won well, four, I mean, yeah, four I mean, Kentucky, titles. Kentucky only has the one national championship, right? Yeah. They've, they've, they've done it with three different coaches. They've won four titles. Um, so, I mean, that's – Does Kentucky only have one since 2000? I think so. Yeah. Because, I mean, the, like, Tubby was winning, like, in 99, right? Or around that? 97. 97? Okay, yeah. yeah. 99, was that UConn 99? Or, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. One of those? I don't, I don't know. But. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was UConn over Duke in 99. So, maybe it wasn't 2000, but still. Okay. I, I would say that, um, yeah, no, Kentucky hasn't won since uh, – they've only won one in the 2000s. Really? Yeah. They carry themselves a lot differently. Oh, of course they do, yeah. They sure do. They carry themselves a lot differently to that when you actually stop and think that they've only made or won one national championship. I know they've made a couple and lost and, you know, have some final fours there. But, you know, UConn in that same time period has what? At least three. Do they have four? They have four total. Did Emeka Okafor win that championship back in 04? Yeah. They won that title. And then, you know, Kemba and Napier won one. And then Ollie won one, right? Or did Ollie win? Now, K- Maybe it's five. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say, did Ollie win one or two? He won one. one. Okay, and then Calhoun won those last two, and one with Okafor, and then one in the nineties. Yeah, right? the Rip Hamilton one was the first one they right. won. So yeah, I'm telling you, they they kind of get overlooked at this point, and you know everybody talks about the same suspects, Kansas. And I get it, you know, because of the lineage. But UConn is that's that's that is an elite program, and they they even struggled for a few years in between. You know, Hurley and um, I'm trying to remember who they had as their coach, honestly. Did Hurley come right after Ollie? I can't remember. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. So he had 99, 04, 11, 14, and 23 um, for, for them. So I guess Ollie was the Napier year then. I, okay. I, I, think, I think Ollie just stood there between Calhoun and, and uh, Hurley. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone between them. All right, big game tonight. For Tennessee's two-seed purposes, need to go out and handle business at Arkansas. A loss here would be panic time. Yeah. That's what's at, the line. That's a, that's a, that's what's at stake for Rick Barnes and the boys tonight. A loss here would be panic time. I think they take care of business. We'll talk about it tomorrow. The G.I. Jake Show. Jake Miller, Brett Hollander. Got Marcus Young. Intern Jack. You told me Intern Jack went 5-0 and yesterday in his picks? He did. Intern Jack, 5-0. and Okay. Don't know how he did last night, but, uh, yeah. Oh, two nights ago? Yeah. He, oh. he's, but, no, he's tearing it up. He oh. could he could be 5-0 and again today. We, we'll see, won't we? I really hope he didn't go 0-5 after I said that. <laughs> uh, I thought you'd said he went 5-0 and last night, but I guess that was two nights ago. Ah, well, Intern Jack's still my boy. Stay locked in on the morning show, or stay locked in on Fan Run Radio. 